This is episode number 110 of the Paleo Women Podcast. Welcome to the Paleo Women Podcast. I'm your co-host, Noelle Tarr, a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer. And with me is my partner in crime, Stephanie Ruper, author of the best-selling book, Sexy by Nature. This show is the place to be if you're a fan of moderately amusing banter and uninhibited real talk relating to health, nutrition, fitness, body image, and just about everything in between. While hanging out with us, please remember the information on this podcast is intended to provide helpful and informative material and should not be used in place of medical advice or treatment. Now, let's have some fun. One, ten. Can you hear the sirens? I can, but you know what? I hear sirens all the time, so I'm. It's not. I didn't. I couldn't tell if it was coming from me or not. To be honest. No, it's me. I live on a main street in London. One time, I tried to record a video, a promotional video for like I don't know, job, <laughs> and I. It took me like an hour and a half because the video was only two minutes and thirty seconds long, but I could not get a two minutes and thirty seconds without a siren going through. It's oh. crazy. I know. I I hate making videos. <laughs> it's I hate making wait. Videos. You're the one who's always trying to convince me to do it. I no. I mean, maybe sucks, I guys. I know please, that it's worth please it. Please patronize our text based blogs. <laughs> <laughs> I know that it's worth videos. it. I know that it's worth it and it's great and it's effective. But man, that was the worst part of the making the program. I knew I it had something that I wanted to do. I had to do, but it took me months record all those videos because you'd start recording and if a dog didn't make noise some uh I, I had frequently had people come to the door my mailman comes to the door puts the mail in the door you know you have fedex you have people knocking you have people driving by and honking because people for some reason think they because philly <laughs> because they think i you know what i and i talk back to them i'm like you don't own the street like you can't just sit there and lay on your horn this is like where i live you know what i mean like come on uh but but you know I get it because I have road rage as well. I will admit it. Be the first to admit. Uh, but so it was constantly like, are you kidding me? So I like finally would nail it, whatever I was trying to say. And then it'd be like, Honk, and like oh, you got to be kidding. So I get it. And now I have I'm, I loathe the videos. I I need to get back into it. Everybody's doing live Facebook lives. And I know you have oh. done some of it, but I haven't gotten into it very well. I was supposed to do a live this week. Oh, you forgot. You know who else forgot? Who? My employee who was supposed to set it up. <laughs> oh, hey, gosh. girl. I hope you're listening. <laughs> hey, girl. Hey, girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and not next week because uh, I um, I will be out of town again. So. Oh, man. Starting in March, apparently. Stephanie Rupert Lives. Sorry, you do them every week? Every Tuesday. Oh, what do you talk about? <laughs> what do you say? Whatever people want. Oh. I just like ask uh, rapid fire answer questions. Oh, that's, people are there. That's a good idea. Yeah. I should probably try that. You know, we can do one together. And I'm trying to figure out how to do that. We can do like a split screen, but I just don't have the time at the moment to figure that out so um, <laughs> hey girl hey girl i'm freeing up any you know anytime soon yeah not for like another 18 years <laughs> thank you Stephanie. Bye. thank you stephanie can i just go on a rant for a second i sure. had i had dirt well no i <laughs> i had I feel like and this was this was like a long time ago. Uh, I had posted something on Facebook that was like about that I wasn't getting any sleep, and I got shamed by all of these moms. How I didn't know what it just. I was like, just wait till you have a kid. Just wait. Da 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 da. And I was over the. I was. We were. <laughs> We were shopping for baby stuff this last weekend, and I was sitting in a rocking chair. So we were, I was like, we don't need a rocking chair. I'm, not, I'm never going to sit in a rocking chair. Like, what am I going to do? I'm not going to sit in, my, in this tiny little baby's room in a rocking chair. And then I started thinking about it. And I'm like, mm, probably need a rocking chair because we're going to need a secondary sleep spot. So when the baby's crying uh, and it's not my turn, 
I don't want to have to like where I want my husband to be able to go and sleep in the room with the baby. So like, you know, like I'm thinking long term, like, how are we both going to get sleep and be able to balance this? We need two sleeping spots. So we've been testing out these these chairs and found one. And we were having a conversation about this. And, and my husband was saying, yeah, I really like this because it's sport. You can it's a recliner. I can sleep in this super easy. And and so then I had mentioned that and I was like, yeah, this this is definitely a sleeping chair. Well, of course, somebody pokes her head in there some, from some other, you know, family. <laughs> you're not going to be sleeping. You think you're going to be sleeping? Da, 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 da. And, and so <laughs> we walked away and my husband was like, I really I'm so sick of everybody always focusing on the negative when it comes to kids and raising kids and having a baby. Like everybody kind of like wants you to know that it's going to be terrible and everybody wants you to know you're not going to sleep at all. And, and I was like. Yeah, I, I, I totally get it. Like, we're humans. We're going to have to sleep. So why not make it easier? Why not get a chair that we're going to sleep in? Like, you don't have to tell me I'm not going to get any sleep. I know my sleep's going to be compromised. But I will say, I will say, and I think that, you know, whatever. I'm going to have a kid and my opinion may change, but it also may not at all. Um, you don't have to have a kid to know what it feels like to be sleep deprived, Right. There's many other times, oh, yeah, right? And so there's many other times in your life that you are going, like, there's many other reasons for you to be sleep deprived, for you to not shower much, for you to uh, have a very stressed, have a lot of depression, struggle with anxiety, um, to be so busy that you are in a fog. Like, you know, there's a lot and there's a lot of things that happen in life that can be very devastating and can put spiral you downward. And so, like, for some reason, and I think maybe it's the camaraderie or maybe it's a badge of honor that women wear, which I totally respect. But at the same time, we can't shame other women or only focus on the fact that having a baby is like, oh, you won't get any sleep. Like, I know what it's like to not sleep. I've had t anxiety that's kept me up at night that I can't sleep at all. You know, I've had times where I felt like I couldn't breathe. I've, I've had times where I wanted to go to the emergency room because I didn't realize, you know, I was like, I was in such a fog that I didn't know what was going on. Like, I, there's, <laughs> like, we all need to respect each other's journey and process and realize that Having a baby is a big commitment, but it's a choice. Like, it's a choice that I have. And I'm shifting a lot of my stress and anxiety from one area and moving it to, which I think is good stress and anxiety, which is, you know, having a, a secondary human being that's a part of me that I get to take care of. So, you know, it's shifting my life and my priorities. Um, and that's kind of how I see it. And so, yeah, um, having a business and starting my own business and running a business and a lot of the sacrifices that we've made and moving and, you know, all the things that have happened in the last few months have been really stressful. But now we're setting our life up in a way so that we can shift. So I can shift. I can take a lot of the responsibilities and where I've put my, you know, my stress now and and relieve that from myself so that I can that I can take on new stress. So it's like, I feel like sometimes moms try to one-up each other with the amount of stress that they're having, or they try to one-up people who don't have kids because they're like, you don't know what it's like. But I can tell you, we <laughs> women know what it's like uh, who don't have babies, and especially being pregnant. Like, being pregnant, I'm in, a, I'm in a lot of compromising situations, too. So I don't need to have the baby to understand what it's like to be anxious or stressed or sleep-deprived. I can guarantee you that. I don't know, just a small rant. Somebody actually sent me a message and was like, don't don't worry about it. Like, you know, moms, for some reason, love to harp on the fact that, you, you know, oh, look at all the things we have to deal with. And she's like, you're going to be fine. And I was like, I know I'm going to be fine. <laughs> you know, like, I, I really appreciate it. But I, you know, I, I know that I'm going to be fine. I really appreciate you saying that, too, because um, it kind of gets a, it gets a little bit of like, oh, OK, come on. <laughs> Come on, we know. We know it sucks. We know there's sleep deprivation, but we also as humans have to sleep. So at some point, you just got to set your life up in a way to be able to get sleep. So, which is getting a secondary sleep spot. <laughs> An expensive reclining chair. Nice. See, see all the things, see all the things I have to buy. I just, I was trying to be so minimal. I was like, no, I, I, I did a poll with all my friends. <laughs> said, do you think I'm going to need a recliner? Oh, nice. The answer That's was, a good idea. yeah, I think you're going to need a recliner. God, we slept in it a lot. Sorry, was that, I hope that didn't come off as too ranty. I respect motherhood it to the <laughs> utmost. Uh, yes, of no, of, of course. I mean, it was ranty, but rant is good. Um, 
I also respect motherhood. I think it's uh, totally fine. I find it so interesting how we have to like really, um, you have to be so careful. Mm. You know, people's uh, people's emotions are just so wrapped up in the ideas they have about, you know, what it means to be a mom or um, to choose to not be a mom. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty intense. People really like to voice their opinions. It is. It's it's, you know, and I think that I really want to say this is like a judgment free zone. I don't there is so much judgment around how you choose to raise your child if you choose to work or work from home, if you choose to co-sleep or put your child in a crib, if you choose to breastfeed or not, if you like, how much do you push to try to, to breastfeed and make it work? And there is so much judgment around every decision that you make as a mom. And at some point, it's just like, why are we so judgmental of everybody? Like, if it's right for you, it it may not be right for other people. And that's perfectly okay. Like, how about we just make sure everybody's happy and taken care of and mentally and physically healthy, you know, and, and doing the things they want to in life and experiencing the things they want to. You know, that's my concern. So this is like anything and everything that I produce, you know, in terms of if I do anything that has to relate to pregnancy, it's going to be like complete, like this podcast is a complete judgment-free zone. Like... Just because I'm doing it, I don't think that other, like, because I'm going to choose to cloth diaper doesn't mean that I look down on people who don't. I don't care if you do or not. You know, this is a decision for me. Um, and so that's, that. you know, that's my piece on <laughs> on the motherhood <laughs> discussion. I will never shame anybody for any choice or decision that they make to include where you give birth, how you give birth, whatever. It's all okay. So... Yeah, I think the standard response to that would be, but the children... <laughs> I know. You know, um, people are really, uh, really committed to. Um, I'm not sure why, actually. I've wondered about it a lot, you know. I'm really committed to making sure that, you know, other people's kids are um, taken care of in the way that they think is the best way to be taken care of. And I guess that's all right. You know, I'm cool with that. I just wish that we could, like, sort of relax about it and talk empathetically you know, instead yeah. of. Uh, throwing daggers which is pretty common but it's also it's also the conversation of like this is the diet you should be following and essentially people are worried about other people's health when they say you know they're talking about diet and health and all that kind of stuff but the reality is what you what is right for you isn't necessarily right what's right for somebody else and so you know my sanity i'm gonna put my sanity and my health um, I'm going to prioritize that for sure because if I'm unhealthy and I'm unable and I know that I know certain states that I can get in, I know that I can get super frazzled and I can get, um, I I know the places that I can go. I've been there and I've had to pull myself out and it's not pretty. I don't want to get there. So if I don't want to get there, there are going to have to be choices that I make that reflect that I want to be able to be healthy and stable and be able to make good decisions and not be spiraled into whatever anxiety, fear, depression, anything like that. So if I'm making decisions for myself that allow me to stay healthy, then that's what's going to be best for my kids. So that's where it comes into those decisions about how hard do you push to try A, B, and C or to make A, B, and C work. Um, and and so that's, you know, that's what I focus on most and f- first and foremost. And, I, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of my close friends um, are all, you know, I've had discussions with my close friends and, and, you know, I was like, oh, well, I didn't want to tell you what I was doing. Cause I knew you pr- probably wouldn't be like, I felt bad for doing this. Cause you probably wouldn't, you wouldn't make the same choice. And then I was like, no, it's Noelle. She's not going to, she's not going to judge me for a decision that I make that's right for me. And I'm like, you're exactly right. And I'm so glad that you came to that <laughs> conclusion because I don't like, I am never going to judge, especially my close friends. I'll never judge you for like a decision that you make, even if it's a different one from the one I'm going to make. You know, so yeah, supporting mm-hmm, each other. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the many rants that I may come up with in my life, and this is a journey that I'm on, and I'm happy to bring everybody with me. You know, um, there'll be a lot of revelations, uh, and I'm excited to experience those. It's not like, oh, you just wait. <laughs> I don't I, like. I'm expecting it. I, you know, I'm I ha- I'm going into this expecting it to be a very challenging but rewarding um, situation, and it's gonna. And I'm gonna get on here, and I'm probably gonna complain a little bit, you know, uh, which is fine because it's gonna be probably the only time that I get to talk to uh, people outside of you know me and my child, me and my daughter, um, and my husband for that first you know six weeks or whatever. So I'm probably gonna have a lot to say, but. 
um, you know, I'm happy to take everybody on this journey with me, but it's also, I have no, I have zero interest in judging people or making this sort of like a judgment situation. So come on, come one, come all. <laughs> come with me. Come with <laughs> Stephanie and I as we raise a baby girl. Aww. Oh. Hey, I think we've talked a lot. Actually, just me. Um, <laughs> let's get I'm good. Let's go. <laughs> what <We're> <laughs> announcement I made last week. I want to make it again because I think it's going to be pretty much done by this week. Go to prepdish.com slash paleo women. They're going to keep that two-week free subscription live and well, alive and well for uh, this week. So I've been using it a lot. I just reached out to them and said, hey, could you just keep this up through the start of spring, which is um, what they're really focusing on right now. They have a lot of really cool recipes. One of them is like a gumbo that I just saw come through. So you're, y'all, it's it's great. It's just as if you like try it out, see how it works for you. Um, but at least get that that two free week subscription. Um and it's just, again, that's just a subscription-based uh, meal planning service, sends you all the instructions to do ahead of time, and then sends you the meals and shows you how to make it. So I love it. Uh, go get it. All right. Are you ready for questions? So ready. This podcast is brought to you by Sunbasket, one of the resources I've become dependent on as life has quickly become harder to manage and there never seems to be enough time in the day. Sunbasket makes it easy to cook delicious gluten-free or paleo meals in your own kitchen in just 30 minutes or less. You'll get organic non-GMO ingredients sent directly to your door in a nice pretty little box. And each meal comes with pre-measured fresh ingredients so there's no waste, hassle, or grocery shopping. And now Sunbasket offers gluten-free family meal options, making it easy to customize to your needs. As a special offer for our community, Sunbasket is offering three free meals with your first order. To get this special deal, go to sunbasket.com slash paleowomen or check the show notes to click directly on this link. Again, that's sunbasket.com slash paleowomen to get three totally free, easy to prepare meals with your first order. Question number one is from Aaron. Hi, ladies. I have been listening to you now for a couple months, and I love listening to you. Thank you for sharing your expertise with us and hanging out. Oh, helping out. Apparently, I thought people wanted to hang out with us. <laughs> not after not after the rant I just did. They're like, I'm out. Peace. Uh, a little background about me. I've been an athlete almost my whole life, a swimmer growing up, and a triathlete for the past nine years. I did my first Ironman back in 2012. The year after the Ironman, I did a few small races, but nothing big, and my motivation waned. Did she mean that? That is a word, yes, and it was properly deployed. Okay, good. <laughs> it means it went down. Interesting. I That's a new word for me. Really? Um, wax and, wait, wait. To wax and to oh. wane? Oh. Okay. Yeah. I know it in that context. I guess I'd never actually seen it in a sentence. So that's cool. Thank you for introducing that to me, Erin. I kept training some, mostly running, but it wasn't nearly what I typically did or wanted to do. Then in a short time, three to six months at the end of 2014, some big changes occurred in my life. My husband and I got a dog. He retired from the Navy and got a job across the country in Washington. We were in Virginia and we made the move. This month I had to quit my job without one lined up. I am a marine biologist and I'm very passionate about my career. Once in Washington, I jumped around from temp job to temp, temp job until I found a full-time job. It's not an ideal job, but it's a job. We also had to house search and did finally buy a house six months ago. Now things are settling down. I'm finally back to full-time training, which I'm pretty happy about my motivation being back and plan on an Ironman in July. But I've become very anxious, become a very anxious person who gets overwhelmed easily when I'm stressed. I'm working with a therapist to try to sort some of my feelings, but I still get stressed out more easily than I used to. Health-wise, I'm trying a lot more to be healthy, eating more vegetables and healthy fats, but I'm not perfect. Interesting. Not, <laughs> uh, not extremely overweight, but as an Ironman athlete, I'd like to drop about 10 pounds. I've been on the pill for almost 20 years. And in the last two years, my libido has become non-existent, particularly the last year. 
My husband is extremely patient and understanding, but I know it bothers him. I want to get off the pill in hopes of helping my libido, but I take it because I've always been extremely irregular with bad PMS symptoms, cramp and emotional swing, cramps and emotional swings. And I almost never get a period on the pill, uh, which means I've had very limited periods in the last 20 years. My gynecologist in Virginia always said ultrasounds with my exam, so I'm fairly positive POCOS is not a consideration. <laughs> they know you well, Stephanie. I've been thinking about seed cycling to help manage... I wasn't, <laughs> wasn't going to suggest it. Okay. I've been seed cycling to help manage my hormones, but I'm wondering what else I can do to help with my cycle and my libido. I'm making a conscious effort to be more holistic in all aspects of my life. I'm still new at it, and I still have my moments where all I want is cake, but I'm avoiding processed foods for the most part. I really appreciate and help you any help you ladies could provide. <sighs> Okay. 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 This actually feels pretty straightforward to me. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of exercise and a lot of stress and you're not getting, uh, right? You're not getting a period naturally, I would assume. Um, You know, you are taking the pill. Your libido has vanished. Um. It seems to me that uh, what is what would be in order would be <laughs> um, to stop doing triathlons <laughs> and or Ironman, goodness, uh, and to eat more. Now, of course, I know that you really like um, doing the Ironmans and the you know the big physical challenges, so uh, you can try and, and find a way to keep them in your life, you know, to fit them. But I think what that's going to take is. Um, eating so much, so much all the time. You know, I still I still don't really think it's possible, but you can try to keep pushing yourself in this way, eating a ton. Now, you said that you are eating vegetables and fats, and by God, I am certain that means you're not eating carbohydrates. <laughs> yeah. Right? And I just, I can't. If you're going to be doing Ironmans, like, I would... What would you say, Noah? Like 300 grams of carbohydrate a day minimum? Oh, yeah. I mean, it really it all depends on the training, but um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have a lot of oh, yes. <laughs> lots, uh, lots and lots of carbs. Like, I'm not just talking about an apple before you go to bed at night. I mean, heaps of carbs. <laughs> I mean, eating as many carbs a day as I do. <laughs> Yesterday, I, oh. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, yesterday I had a loaf of bread. A whole <laughs> loaf of bread. That's what I was going to say. A uh, loaf? Yeah, I've had like six loaves in the last week. Um, they've all oh, been uh, no. gluten-free. Okay. Uh, I was in Germany. You know, I, I've been traveling and I've been having issues actually with other foods. Um, fruits have been giving me migraines. It's crazy. So anyway, uh, I've been eating a lot of carbs uh, that kind of carb too. It's been fine. It's been great. It's really helpful. It's so important for people who are exercising a lot to get lots, uh, lots and lots of carbs and being stressed out. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the anxiety too. I think this is really important. You can see as many therapists as you want. I personally, when I was really struggling with like intense generalized anxiety disorder, I was seeing a few different shrinks. I saw Emily Deans, right, the famous paleo psychiatrist. Um, I was I was doing everything I could, talking to all of these people. I did acupuncture, whatever. I guess acupuncture, some people think, is physiologically effective. That's fine. You're entitled to that opinion. Um, but it did not go away until I fixed what was physiologically going on for me or learned how to manage it. It's still not gone. And that's because my, I had a problem with my kidneys and the way they processed uh, magnesium. And that was just something that I had to figure out on my own. And everybody's is different, but I would caution you to be very uh, aware of the physiological impact of what you're doing of the way that you're living you know if you are having a harder time responding to stress yes that could be because of 
um, you know, stressful things that have happened in your life. But I'm willing to bet that there's an underlying physiological cause. Now, this underlying physiological cause could be um, because your adrenals have been working overtime for a long time. And um, it could be because uh, you are maybe a little bit cortisol resistant and your body is amping up its uh, adrenaline production in order to compensate for that. That is entirely possible. Um, and it could be uh, because maybe you have an electrolyte balance issue because of uh, how much you are exercising. It could be because your carbohydrate intake is too low and you're not making calming neurotransmitters as much as you could because carbohydrates have been demonstrated, especially for women, to help in the production of serotonin and other calming neurotransmitters, especially while you sleep. I would first and foremost throw a bunch of carbs into my diet. I mean, I would stop doing triathlons, but again... <laughs> to each woman her own, uh, throw in a bunch of carbs, make sure you're getting plenty of electrolytes. You know, a high quality sea salt is really key. Magnesium, you could be running really low on magnesium. If you've gone through periods of high stress and you're exercising a lot, your body could have sapped through its magnesium stores. You know, I personally, when I was, again, struggling with this really intense anxiety disorder, one day, all of a sudden, remembered that uh, magnesium could be good for that. This was ages ago, and I didn't harp on magnesium all the time like I do now. But this is why I do it now. I was literally laying in bed with a friend who was hugging me, sobbing, because I felt so afraid and anxious and terrified, and I couldn't sleep, and there were jackhammers outside, and it was just the worst. It was so bad. I went upstairs and I like licked some magnesium off of a spoon and immediately I felt my heart rate decrease just like immediately. And for the first time in eight months, I went to a party with my friends that night and I like laughed and had fun. So magnesium can be really important. I would highly recommend getting on a magnesium supplement, taking it um, maybe a it at night the reason i say to you know magnesium can, can make you sleepy can control um but it's also really important to have throughout the day especially if you you know if you're really struggling with your with your stress so i would take magnesium a little bit in the morning a lot at night um add a lot of carbs relax as much as possible. Um, I'm not sure if I'm missing things I should be addressing here, but this all feels pretty important. Totally. I, you know, geez, this is really hard. I feel like I'm about to be really just, I'm going to say a lot Go. of things you don't want to hear. I, well, Go for it. yeah, I mean, it, it's just basically playing off of what you've said, which is let's first reflect back what you talk to us about, which is you did an Ironman, you had major life changes, which I will say, I didn't move across the country, but my husband getting out of the military, us transitioning to a new job, which was way more complicated than I expected, us moving to a totally new city, us having to adjust to a new lifestyle, a new house, now that you just bought a house, we're currently still trying to sell our house and we're closing this week. It has been a long and exhausting process and I have never been more stressed out in my life than I have through this massive, massive life change. So you did the Ironman thing, which is a massive stressor. Uh, and and now you've, you've had all this crazy stuff happen and now it's finally settling down. And now you've just mentioned to us that you're a very anxious person who gets overwhelmed easily, especially when you're stressed. So we know you're really, you're coming off of this phase of your life, which was literally just you had stress dumped on you. And if you're a very anxious person, uh, we know you probably didn't process that stress very well. It's great that you're talking to people. But, um, you know, the way that you're processing uh, stress in general is probably not the best. I'm just going to guess. And so it's affecting you physically and mentally and emotionally. Um, so coming off of this avalanche of stress... I just don't think the next step in your life is now to start training for an Ironman, which is happening this year. And I hate to say that because I know how passionate triathletes are. I was there. I couldn't imagine my life without triathlons. 
But ultimately, I had to question why was I so set on doing this when it didn't fit into my life? And that's the question I want you to ask yourself. Why do I feel like I need to do another Ironman? Why do I feel like I need to do another Ironman this year? Why is it is it does it validate me as a person? Does it make me feel like I'm officially accomplishing something? Do I feel like I'm more in control? Do I feel like uh, I get to put some of my anxieties about my weight to rest? Uh, you know, really dig deep there and figure out why it is that you feel like all of a sudden now you have to do get back to your full-time training and you have to do an Ironman this year. An Ironman is not what you do when your body is stressed out, when you're out of balance and you're holding on to weight that you'd like to drop. Sorry, that is just the reality of the situation. And we have this idea that the more working out we do, the more in control we're going to be and the, the more weight we're going to drop. Um, you're putting your body through a ton of stress. So if you have a deficit in any way, a caloric deficit in any way, uh, it's going to really make that eight times worse. And we know when the body thinks that it's running from tigers and lions and bears and not getting any food, guess what's going to happen? Your your metabolism's going to downregulate. Your body is going to hold on to any and all calories that it can eat. It's going to go into starvation mode, and you're definitely not going to be dropping any weight. And if you do, it'll come back twofold, because uh, we know that that's how the body responds when it when you start eating again and actually stop working out. So if your goal is to reduce stress and anxiety, to bring your body back into balance, and to lose any weight that you feel like maybe you shouldn't be having because it's a sign that your body is in an unhealthy state. Uh, the opposite, you want to do the opposite of training for an Ironman. Again, I know that's so hard to hear. But I would start with figuring out why it is that you want to do the Ironman. Why is it that you feel you need to do it again? And what's your motivation? Because you can do other training. You can do other things and be fulfilled and have fun and move your body and get stronger. And do so in a way that's going to bring your body balance and strength and health and what you're looking for and going to reduce your anxiety <laughs> um, and not precipitate all of that, not precipitate all the stress. I, I'm sorry. I hate this. People are going to hate me after this podcast, especially triathletes, but there is nobody that knows this more than I do. <laughs> Believe me, I chased it and chased it and chased it and did the half Ironman and kept chasing how many could I, how many more could I do and how could I keep this up? Then once I got injured and had the hip injury, it was a constant, how can I get back, how can I get back to doing that? How can I get back to doing half marathons? And I ran myself into the ground and broke myself essentially trying to get back to what I perceived to be uh, the state that I thought, you know, getting back to, you know, getting my body back, quote unquote, and getting back to where I perceived that I had the most control and would finally have everything back in line again. And it's a facade and it's not true. Like, you're not going to have everything controlling again just because you did an Ironman. In fact, things are probably going to break further. Um, the seed cycling might be a part of it, but what I'm feeling... <laughs> is just what Stephanie said. Um, maybe consider doing other forms of training that are more restorative, uh, more more long walks. I get a lot of fulfillment now out of long, long walks. Uh, yoga, not going to say it because I know you're probably like, please. Uh, but doing, <laughs> doing some sort of like strength-based yoga or Pilates where you get out of there and you're like, holy cow, I just worked myself in ways that I could not have imagined. Um, just trying new things that are more relaxing and restorative, eating more, shifting your macronutrient ratio so that you're getting a lot of quality carbohydrates in, I think is going to be great here. By the way, losing 10 pounds doesn't necessarily make you a faster Ironman triathlete. If your body is sufficient and balanced and fed, you will be able to like you're, you'll be able to build muscle, maintain it, recover, repair. Um, there's not a direct correlation between if I drop five pounds, I'm going to be 1.2 seconds faster on my run. You know, that's it's there's not a direct correlation there. So I'm guessing you're not competing with with Chrissy Wellington, even though she's probably not competing actively anymore. Um, you're not you're not running. You're not you're not completing Ironmans in in sub nine hours, right? Uh, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily, um, it's just not going to make that big of a difference. And when we're talking about health and balance in your life, 10 pounds, you focusing on the 10 pounds is 
going to make you, I'm going to guess, is going to only increase your stress and anxiety around your um, your health and your fitness and all that stuff and create uh, a hormone situation in your body uh, that's not going to be advantageous. And it's not going to get you where you want to go and get you to achieve the things that you want to. So I think what you're trying to do is, you know, great. You're trying to make a conscious effort to be more holistic in all aspects of your life. And so um, now I think it's time to explore a lot of the reasons behind why you're so motivated to live in a specific way that may not be ideal for your body right now. Um, and, and when I say ideal for your body, I mean mentally and emotionally and physically. So that's kind of the term of holistic, right? We're thinking mentally, emotionally, and physically. So what's going to serve you best? Um, and there's still absolutely ways that you can engage with short races, quick races. Maybe you switch all together and you start to do shorter stuff and you do some, you know, higher intensity uh, at some point, maybe not right now, but you do, you just maybe experiment with doing some like pickups and like, you know, faster sprints and just like doing very short workouts and seeing, you know, how that works out and seeing how that serves you mentally and emotionally and just having fun. Um, so, so you ready to move on? Hello, earth to Stephanie. Yeah, I'm here. Hi. Sorry, there was a siren, so I put it on mute. Got it. Okay. Okay. M- moving on. <laughs> moving on. Question number two is from Anonymous. Hi, Noel and Steph. I've been listening to your podcast since the first one came out. Hashtag Team Snacks. Hashtag Team Sloth. Hashtag Team Bingo Lady. That's my girl. No. Hashtag Team Fruit. All the dried mango. Your podcast is one of my favorites. I'm excited for it every Tuesday morning. Is it weird that I sometimes miss listening to you and I re-listen to old podcasts? Not at all. Can it's I just say? Great. Can I just say that sometimes I actually listen to our podcast because I chuckle at our at our conversations. It's I've listened to sad. our podcast once. <laughs> Well, I listen to the podcast to make sure it's playing, right? So, like, I kind of have this weird thing that I'm like, I have to make sure that it's playing. So, like, I check check to make sure all this everything was done correctly and that I'm, you know, I, I did what I was supposed to do and nothing. Because, you know, that one time that, like, the podcast didn't go out, I was like, my, like, what happened? So, I check to make sure that it's published and I sometimes just continue to listen to our intros. And I forget. Sometimes I forget about the things we talked about and then I I laugh. Uh, anyway, I have a business motivation question for you. Did either of you struggle with, in quotations, imposter syndrome when you first started out? How did you get yourself to put content out when it feels like you don't, you don't enough? You don't know enough. There's, we were missing a no. So it feels like you don't know enough. I finished my NTP training last fall, and I know that I know a lot, but I have this constant feeling that I won't be able to help anyone. Thank you, ladies. (laughs) Stephanie has always been super confident, so she's not going to have an answer to this. You're correct. (laughs) Um. Imposter syndrome is really interesting because people around me my entire life have told me that they struggled with it and I never have. Um, It's true. Um, But in the places I am, you know, at Oxford, um, in my undergraduate years, uh, working in this kind of field, um, it's really common. And where it what it comes from is a, a feeling like you can't live up to the task. Right. It's it's a self-esteem issue where my confidence comes from isn't from thinking that I'm better than everybody else or the best at anything or what have you. But it comes from. I, you know, I have experience having done this my whole life. And so it's, it's built off of observing myself in this kind of empirical data. But it comes from the my methodology, the way that I approach things when I see a task that I want to do. I sit and I think, okay, what does it take to do this task well? Noelle is really good about looking at other people who do tasks well and saying, okay, what are they doing? What can I do that they do that is good? How can I learn from their mistakes? Figure out what needs to be done to do something and then you do it. It's really really remarkable, but I find that 
if I systematically look at tasks in this way, there's no room for me to worry. If I end up creating a product that is exactly up to the standards that I believe other people produce them at, that I believe are necessary for the task, that I know are necessary from the task based on my analysis of the task, then I feel totally great about it. I've been this way about uh, applications, for example, my whole life. I think this is worthwhile to talk about. It's a good analogy because in an application for, say, a job or a scholarship, I submitted two scholarships uh, applications today. You have to take a look at, figure out what they're looking for, and then find a way to make it look like you provide that, whether you do or not. Um, find out what it is that needs to be done and do it. And this is the basis of, of my confidence in things. And I, I know that I can do it because I have seen the steps that are necessary. Sure, especially when I'm first digging into a new set of tasks, it might take me longer than I would like. But in repeated attempts, you know, when I do it again and again and again, such as with writing blog posts, it gets easier and easier. You know, Noelle and I talk all the time about how long it takes to write blog posts. Um, and it can take several hours. But if you get into a rhythm and you learn how to structure them and how to organize your ideas, you can start cranking them out much more quickly. And that's sort of the case uh, with anything, right? The more it's a habit, the more you've done it just the more natural it becomes. And so I would recommend that you just sort of sit down and take stock of what you've got, of what you have learned, what you have to offer, and all of the different things that you could write about, all of the different things that you could share with people, the different kinds of programs that you could come up with. I think you're going to find that it's a pretty long list, like frightfully long, frightfully long. You know, I've been writing blog posts for Paleo for Women for five years now and publishing it, you know, at least two a week. So that's, you know, 500 blog posts. And I still can come up with so many more to write because there's so many issues and so many different angles you can take. So do that, assess, you know, what you have going on. And then take a look at what other people are doing. Take a look at what you think needs to be done. I believe you will find that they match. And this should give you some reason to feel confident, right? You know that you know a lot. Of course, you will be able to help people. I think matching what you do to what other people do is really important. And once you start doing it and start experiencing actually helping people, then you'll see. You know, I have on occasion put out programs, put out blog posts, put out videos, whatever, and thought there's no way anybody's going to like this. I'm doing it because, you know, Noelle is making me or somebody told me it was a good idea. Um, there's no way somebody is going to like this. And then you do it and you get really positive feedback and you're like, huh, this podcast is, <laughs> is kind of like that. I mean, I really trust Noelle. I knew that she knew what she was doing, but it's been um, really amazing that there is a positive response. And you, as somebody who has listened to every episode, you know that most of the people who write in say, thank you so much. This has been so helpful for us. And and Noelle and I just show up and tell you what we know about stuff. Like, that's literally all that we do here. And, and rant. And sound kind of like idiots every once Some, in a while. Most of the time, yes. The vast majority of the time. <laughs> this is literally what we do is, you know, show up and, and talk. And we do it in a specific manner. And we try to be really good about knowing what a good podcast is and meeting your needs. I think maybe finally I will close with this um, point, which is something that Noelle has also been really good about teaching me, which is you can meet the needs of people if you know what they are. <laughs> so if you have uh, friends on Facebook, you don't even need to have a following for your consulting business or whatever yet. But if you have some friends, pull them, ask what they would like help with. Ask the kinds of things that they want to read, you know, figure out your audience, figure out what they like, and then give it to them. It's really, it's a very simple process. You match column A with column B, um, and there you go. And if there are things that you don't know about that you're not particularly good at, get help. Just like, do it now. I spent years trying to do things on my own, and then Noelle came along, and she was like, you're terrible at this. Let me do it for you. <laughs> Basically, and then... 
then like I finally started being able to construct a business that was sustainable because I was willing to rely on other people to help me with things that I was not personally good at. So you might be really great at content, but say you're not like the best writer. Okay, get an editor, you know, or say you're not really savvy with social media, get somebody to help you with that. I know that it can cost money and that's really hard, but if you're really serious about this, it's a worthwhile investment. Um, I could go forever, but I'm sure Noelle has a lot of really great things I just, to say. I, feel, I just feel very, I feel proud. <laughs> of what I just said? Yes. Aw, thanks. Yeah, it was just so well um, said. I think the, you know, hmm. Problem here is, Stephanie, that I also have never suffered from imposter syndrome. And Whoa. I think that that might be a little bit of insight as to why we are where we are. And that's not to say that we ever thought we knew the most. That's not to say that we ever thought we knew everything there was to know and that we were experts. I went through phases of not really knowing what was my thing. I never, I, I still don't, we still don't feel like we're the experts, right? But we know that we have something to provide. We know how we have something to say and that certain people may benefit from it. And so kind of how I started my business was let me start writing, by the way, the most experience and the most you'll ever learn and the way you do become an expert um, or can, you can talk about things in a very open and honest way is to do more of that. So you will never get to a point where you're like you're if you wait to become an expert at something to then finally start talking about it, you, you'll just ne it'll never happen. You'll never get there uh, because it took me starting to work with clients. It took me starting to write on a on my blog and actually seeing what people what clicked with people, what people wanted more of for me to be able to find what it was that I could talk about more and explore more. And I was learning through the process. You know, as I was writing blog posts, I was learning because I was coming up with questions. I would think I know how to write about this and I'd start writing about it. And then I, as I was processing it myself and making sure that all those questions were answered, I, you know, realized that I didn't have this. Did I know this specific answer? Did I know, you know, how to explain this properly? So I was doing a lot of research while I was writing these blog posts. And as I'd get questions, I'd, you know, I'd help people and I'd learn more. And then as I started working one on one with people, of course, it's overwhelming. Of course, you're like, wow, this person's health is in my hands. And I may not be able to know all the ins and outs of every single answer. But the NTA does a really good job of teaching you a process. So starting at a specific point, and I sh I'm sure you know this, you know, starting at a specific point and saying, you know, what are my foundations? Going back to the foundations, making sure those are covered, those taking are taken care of, and then building from there. So with all of my clients, that's where we, we went, was starting with those foundations, and then we'd slowly chip away and rule out some of those issues. Sometimes they'd resolve, you know, with certain things that we did, just focusing on the foundations. Other times they didn't, and it gave me a chance to learn and explore. So it's... I never felt like I was an expert, but I never felt like I was an imposter because I was only myself and I only was honest with people. And um, and I know how to write a good, you know, I know how to write a good article. I know how to, to cover a lot of good information. And so that's kind of how I moved forward with is what can I, how, like Stephanie said, what can I learn from people who are doing this already? Uh, you know, what mistakes have they made, but also made, but also how do they present their information? How is it that they've moved through, uh, you know, creating and starting a business and all that kind of stuff. How can I learn from that? But then put my own spin on it. But then, you know, make sure that I'm being true to my information, what's unique about me and what I know and my interpre interpretation of things. Because nobody, nobody is you. That is your biggest asset. Nobody is you. And there's lots of people like you who need you. And so that's kind of the way that I moved forward was there are a lot of people like me and they're they I'm ahead of them in terms of where I am mindset wise, body image wise, health and fitness wise. I'm I you know, I kind of see it on as a linear progression. I'm ahead of them. I want to turn around and pull them up and make sure that they they <laughs> follow the same path that I did and come to the same realizations I did and don't spiral out of control and, and fall off the cliff. And so that was kind of my thing is like, how can I turn around and help the people that are just like me that are looking for answers that I've already figured out? Um, and so hopefully that's a little bit of an encouragement. I mean, you could do it in so many different ways and so many, you know, obviously 
maybe not obviously, but you know, my strength is talking, (laughs) talking through things. My strength is connecting with people and I'm not the best at writing, but you know what? Writing taught me a lot. Writing taught me a lot and I learned a lot while writing. And so I'm actually helping my husband start his business. And so my main thing to him is, you know, just start writing, just start writing, see what happens, see what comes out, see what starts clicking with people. Then once you start to kind of understand that you can use those people in your community to say, what is it that you need? What is it that you want more of? And then you can build your business around that. Then you can start helping people either one on one with that. You can start doing conferences around that. You can start hosting a podcast and answering questions around that. You know, reach out to your community, see what clicks with them, and then start to talk to them and figure out what is it what is it that I can create for you. And that's how Strong From Home came to be. You know, that's that's how I kind of I didn't launch a product because I was excited about it. I launched a product because I felt like there was a need for it. And I felt like there was a lack of this in in terms of what people had access to and what actually existed. So sure, uh, just like Stephanie said, I put out a product that I felt like I was 100% behind and confident in and had every single thing that I thought it needed. Uh, so that's part of it as well. But the other part is... And believe me, I don't I don't think I'm an expert at working out from home. There's a lot of other fitness people who are well, you know, have much more knowledge than I do. And that's intimidating. I mean, hello, it's the fitness industry. You know how many personal trainers are out there making online products. But, you know, I felt like I had a community that needed something very specific. And um, I so I created it, you know, and so that's that's where I'm sitting right now. And it didn't it didn't suck. You know, it did well. Um, And it met my, you know, within my expectations. And now it's something I have for the rest of my life, um, you know, for the foreseeable future um, that I can sell as as something that I created as a product that I that I created. um, That is, yes, I'm the expert. But I two years ago. Yeah, no, there was no way that I was thought that I, you know, oh, I'm the expert at, you know working out from home, but that is, uh, you know, I, for, you know, how I became really, you know, how smart in that is working with people and understanding what people needed and then making myself more educated on that. Oh gosh. I'm so, so long winded. <laughs> You're lovely. <though. laughs> Last question. Last question is from Kat. Hi ladies. Thank you so much for your podcast. Look forward to it every week. I've been struggling for a number of years with itching in quotations down there. I first experienced this when I switched birth control pills eight years ago in my late 20s. Somewhat embarrassingly, I wasn't wasn't until months later when I finally was telling a friend about my discomfort that I made the connection. I've been itchy down there for about seven months. Oh, wait, that's when I switched pills. Eventually, I switched back to my original pill and the itchy did subside. Itching did subside. Two years ago, I worked with a naturopath to heal my gut and come off the pill, which went well. Shortly after, I found paleo and have been eating a predominantly paleo diet for the last year and a half, which has been great for my gut health energy slash skin and slash acne however over the past year or so my itching has been reoccurring with some regularity this itching tends to be localized to the labia if i scratch it only makes it worse i sometimes scratch in my sleep so i can't always help it lately it feels more intense uh now also includes the clitoral hood area Since I always attributed the itching to the pill and therefore hormones, I'm a bit of a loss as to what to do. As I've been off birth control for almost two years, my doctor was fairly dismissive because there's no discharge or odor. I also recently found out a friend is suffering from the same problem. She also has no idea what's causing it, and her doctor was equally dismissive. I should note, I was diagnosed with Graves' disease in 2016, started medication for it in August, and have been in remission since November. I'm now off the medication. Since the itching preceded the graves, I feel as though it was not likely connected. However, recently learned about lichen sclerosis when reading the autoimmune wellness handbook. I don't know if that's similar to lichen planus, but could be. The description of the discomfort sounded similar, but the medical description referenced white patches of skin, which I do not have. Research did note it was connected with thyroid disorders. I'm at a loss as to what to do. Something is clearly out of balance. I'd prefer not to seek out corticosteroids for my doctor. Any suggestions? Other notes. Only use unscented, sensitive soap and laundry detergent. Been using the menstrual cup for 15 years. Cotton undies. Never any kind of douching products. Clear paps. No STD. STIs. Uh, infrequent sex. Never been pregnant. No apparent pattern with menstrual cycles. Mid-30s. Team Honeycrisp. Okay, great. Um, <clears throat> it's great that you're using the menstrual cup. Yes. 
something to throw out there, make sure that you replace it once every couple of years, at least they say once a year, um, once every few years, I personally have had issues with cups once they got old. Um, so yeah, like just starting to get irritated. So I would, you know, I would be careful about that. I wouldn't say that that's your main issue here. Um, but it's, you know, something at least to try. Um, so something, you know, I'm not, I, because your vagina itself is not necessarily itchy, I'm not going to say that this is a, a problem with recurring yeast infections or what have you. Um, but I do know, uh, that changes in the pH, you know, of your vaginal fluid and what have you can cause irritation and this is probably, you know, this is probably a part of why the hormones made an impact. I mean, there could be a ton of reasons. The hormones can also impact the bacterial population, which would um, could aggravate your skin if your uh, vaginal flora changes. Um, but also it can alter the pH of what you have going on down there. And that can be really irritating. You know, I mean... Water is water, but to change the pH slightly, it turns it into acid, you know, a very light form of acid um, that can be really abrasive. Um, so I think it's important to strive for uh, hormone balance. Um, I would not attribute the itching to paleo, um, but it does seem likely that coming off of the pill could upset that hormone balance. Um, I don't know if you've been getting uh, your hormone levels tested uh, with your doctor, but I would I would imagine that you could maybe do something about that, whether that means experimenting with seed cycling, you know, trying to eat some phytoestrogens, um, or um, working with your doctor on a low-dose pill just to see, just to test the hypothesis. <laughs> If that's the problem, um, then that could affirm that for you and, and you could um, spend more time, you know, devoted to say perhaps you end up finding out that you're estrogen dominant. You can work on estrogen dominance, you know, um, reducing stress, right? You could work on boosting your progesterone levels um, to help with estrogen dominance. You know, we talk about things like um, exercising regularly, um, eating foods such as eggs and liver that are really good for the liver, eating lots of leafy greens, that sort of stuff can um, sort of help bring you into hormone balance. Something else that can help bring you into hormone balance is having good gut health um, because hormones are excreted through the digestive tract. And if you don't have good he gut health, then your uh, hormones can be reabsorbed. Toxins can be reabsorbed. All sorts of bad things can be reabsorbed um, when your stool is sitting in your gut, and especially if your gut is kind of leaky. Given that you have Graves' disease, which is a form of autoimmune disease of hyperthyroidism, um, you, uh, it appears that you do have a kind of leaky gut. <laughs> and I think that this, um, lichen sclerosis that you've described is, uh, seems pretty likely, seems pretty possible. I would put it in the likely category that this is actually the, the root of what you want to be addressing. So maybe, uh, with time, the autoimmune protocol will help in the meantime, maybe get on some steroids or use a, a light steroidal cream. Um, you can get that over the counter. Uh, that shouldn't be a problem at all. Um, you can have this problem, right? You can have parts of this problem without necessarily exhibiting all of them. You know, you may not have to have white patches of skin for this to be the case, and uh, graves, I think, uh, can definitely be an issue for this. So I don't have a ton to say other than to affirm what you've said to us, that yes, uh, you should work on your hormone balance. And yes, I think that the autoimmunity is uh, probably the issue here, um, both of them. You know, it sounds like you've just, uh, you've got a really sensitive um, set of uh, skin and organs down there. And also, maybe, right, the pH uh, in your vagina is really easy to change, which is why you're susceptible um, to these problems, even if, you know, most people who suffer from Graves' disease are not. Um, babe, do you have anything? 
Yeah, I think uh, I think that first uh, she said the Graves disease was in June 2006. Ishing preceded that, so it's likely not correlated. I would actually disagree there. Specifically, Graves just doesn't all of a sudden happen. It could have been a, something that was gradually happening over time. Then you got the diagnosis. So um, we know that autoimmunity is highly correlated with gut dysfunction and gut issues in general. So that could have been something. Your gut bacteria could have been getting out of whack and out of balance pretty early on and then manifested as grave disease. And some of this itching is a part of that and wrapped up into that. So absolutely Focus on gut health. If you're not taking a high-quality probiotic, definitely do that. I would highly recommend. I'm glad you have the Autoimmune Wellness Handbook. Yes. Um, Isabel Wentz, her book is coming out. Her new book is coming out. Um, it is specific to thyroid disorders. I would highly recommend it. We'll link to it in the show notes. I'll write that down. Isabella Wentz. And... Um, I think it was in March. She is supposed to come out with it in March. So likely it'll be out by the time this podcast release. So please, you know, maybe look into that in terms of treating um, the Graves disease with a specific, maybe a lim- certain, you know, eliminating certain foods and, and seeing if that kind of all comes back into balance. You're doing everything right in terms of like the typical how to prevent vaginal itching. Uh, some things that I'm going to suggest here. One, I would get on a probiotic that is specific to vaginal health and urinary tract health. So yeah, they're, they're, good answer. <laughs> there's a uh, specific probiotic that I've actually had. Um, it's a Gerofemdophilus. And when I was having, I didn't have, it was, it was like a, I felt like I was, there was like a slight, like I felt like something was coming on. Um, now, I used to have the, the itching and the yeast infections when I was younger. Uh, that hasn't really happened anytime recently. But if I start to feel like something's a little off, um, I'll grab that. So it's a Jaro Femdophilus. We will link to that in the show notes. It is very specific. The strands are specific to vaginal and urinary tract health. Okay, so um, it's also very helpful for those with bacterial vaginosis. And y- the reviews, you'll ca- you can read through them. When we link to it on Amazon, there are a ton of good ones about people, you know, struggling or having bacterial vaginosis and then not saying that that's what you have, but just saying that this can make a huge difference. There are also probiotic uh, suppositories. Now, I'm not going to tell you that you can't, you should or shouldn't do this, but I know of people who have used um, the femdophilus and just actually use that as a suppository. But there is a specific pure fem probiotic that is a, sp- a vaginal suppository. Um, and you can do that. And so you can actually use it, uh, you know, insert the probiotic to the actual source. I think that it that would be really worthwhile to experiment with. Never done it personally. But um, if this is so concentrated to a specific area... I think it's definitely worth trying, especially if you really don't want to try the steroids. It's something to try before that. So get on that Jaro Femdophilus. Consider, you know, probiotic suppositories. See if that helps. Um, itching, again, I, I, I cannot stress how much this could potentially be correlated to some sort of gut irritation. Um, and so, you know, I found that a lot of itchiness down there in general can be connected to some sort of food sensitivity or allergy. And so I would think of anything. I know it's hard because it's been so long. You know, think back to if there was anything you started eating more in excess. Um, and I'm not even just talking about gluten or dairy, which could be. Um, but it might be worth doing some more elimination protocols to take out foods that you're eating a lot of. Um, uh, even certain proteins like pork, I've found that personally for me, pork can be very inflammatory and it can cause a lot of IBS and digestive issues, which then can, you know, another symptom of that can be itchiness, just uncomfortableness. And especially when we're talking about, you know, things that are, cause your gut is excreting, you know, your food is going through your gut. And, uh, so depending on, you know, what the health of your gut is going to affect the, the, where it's all excreted from. So I think it can all play in together, but I, you know, I would definitely look into certain things that can be inflammatory, like, uh, like, let's just say like pork, irritants like alcohol, um, certain sweeteners, like if you're eating a lot of fructose or something like that, just experiment with 
shifting things or eliminating it and seeing if that leads to any relief. And don't expect it to happen immediately. Um, you know, it, it may take a, a month or two, but um, that's kind of, you know, my gut feeling. <laughs> Pardon the pun. Uh, my gut feeling is that it does have something to do with the gut. And, oh, my last little thing here. Uh, <laughs> coconut oil. Hey, so coconut oil is antimicrobial. So it's not going to negatively affect your uh, probiotic balance or your pH at all. If there's something imbalanced or a negative or an overgrowth of something, like it's great, great for the skin. And um, coconut oil has actually been found in studies to reduce um, the uh, bacteria associated with certain kinds of acne. So, you know, it's worth a try just for soothing in the moment to use a little bit of coconut oil or to do some sort of coconut oil, shea butter, um, homemade. I'll link to something. I ha- I do have like a coconut oil and shea butter homemade thing that I make and it's thicker. So it it's kind of, I call it my like anything paste. Um, so if I have even like I have a little uh, cut or if I have a little blemish on my face, I just put a little bit of that on. It's mostly just coconut oil and shea butter and it kind of acts as like a you know, helpful antimicrobial barrier. Um, and so I do that. Or if I have like, you know, dry, which I have right now, you know, dry itchiness on the back of my hands, I'll kind of just rub that in, especially right before I go to bed at night. So try doing a, maybe a little bit of that, seeing if that helps at all. Um, and then I would really request that you let us know. I would actually love to know how the the probiotics worked. So because I do think, I do think that a lot of women deal with this, but what do you, what do you... Besides Google searching it and maybe, maybe, maybe talking to your doctor. Um, it is definitely not talked about, which I'm, so I'm happy we did here, you know. Uh, but yeah, I think that there's plenty of people dealing with it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. I got nothing. We went over again, mostly <laughs> because of me. <laughs> for more from Stephanie, go to paleo for women com for more from me go to coconutskettlebells.com hey go subscribe to our podcast that would be really helpful also leaving a review would be just fantastic coconutsandkettlebells.com slash review we love you mean it talk to you guys later <laughs>